are listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider. But Forte is very good. As a three-year-old, he debuts with an easy victory in the Fountain of Hughes Stakes. Brandon Jaggers. Quarter mile to go, it's Henry Q. The dominant force here in the Mind That Bird Derby. He's got this one all put away, and he's getting stronger as the race grows longer. And me, CC Broadus. It's Groove is moving, Mandarin Hero to the outside, and it's Mandarin Hero in for the victory late. The auxiliary gate, big problem. Hello, welcome to episode number 137 of the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, the home of stupid Kentucky horse racing banner. <laughs> I'm CC Broadus, joined by Alan Schneider. Alan, it's freaking cold in the bluegrass. Yeah, but I'm not going to complain. We've had a very moderate winter here. I, I We bought a new shovel like end of December. I haven't used it yet. When... You know, there's a lot of ways to win in this uh, around here than just hit, hitting the winter horse, the horse that finishes first. If I don't shovel snow and I don't have to trudge and drudge through snow, it's a win. So I'm not going to complain anything about this cold temperature today. I despise, I've mentioned before, I despise winter. I despise cold weather. I despise snow. So you, get, you keep it away from me. I'm happy. It won't be long. I think two more weeks. I think it's going to actually warm up here. Maybe in gone? the 60s. Yeah. It right dawned around. on me. It dawned on me that I'll be gone. Uh, I'm, I'm, we're going on a cruise, me and uh, my wife and family and a whole bunch of several other couples. Uh, like, you know, we, I've been married 25 years and this is a 25th year anniversary cruise. I also booked it the first week at Keeneland. I think, I think I'll be gone that week. So, you know, I'll be out of touch. So I'll be off, I'll be off the grid. You'll have to keep me informed of what's going on. The question America wants to know though, or at least our listeners want to know, how much money did you have on deposit above the $250,000 FDIC limit? At the Silicon oh, Valley Bank. Oh boy, I hope uh, I hope Michelle Lovell's got a good horse for me uh, to get to recoup my losses coming up at the church at the Churchill Spring Meet. You know, uh, I mean, I lost about a half million. What about you? That's obviously not true. I just learned what the FDIC limit was about a few minutes ago when I read up on it. I, I w- uh, yeah, you know, we um, I always get a kick out of uh, everybody on. Twitter and like, what's wrong with horse racing? How do you solve horse racing and this and that and all this is like you know that's nice. Yeah, I understand you want to make the game better. As I've said a million times, like if they took this game away from me and I didn't, I'd be completely fine. I really would. It's a hobby for me. I would feel much much worse for my friends in the game who are making a living and stuff. That's actually what I care about. I'm not just saying it to sound noble. That's actually what I give a damn about. Uh, so when I hear these things. That aspect I agree with, so people can stay employed. At the end of the day, that's what matters, and people make money. And uh, the other side is like, there's a lot worse things in this country going on than if you know the stewards' de- uh, decision here or whatever. So sometimes I think we have a tendency to forget that, right? There's a lot of things going on wrong, and uh, I'd love to see horse racing uh, do well. But I, am I going to go to? Uh, shed tears because the handle is up at some track. Not really. There's other more important things going on. That's one of them right there, by the way. It's all about perspective. You know, I talked to a guy today about his girlfriend. 
And, you know, he said he was so lucky because his girlfriend is an angel. And oh. I said, yeah, I said, that's a blessing for you. My girlfriend is still alive. <laughs> you set me up there. Does, does, does Miss Amanda listen to this podcast very often? I don't think so. I think she forgot I had a podcast. See, my wife actually will listen once in a while. If Farron's on or something or something of note, she'll listen. So I'm not going to make those jokes like that. I think my wife is an angel, just in case she listens to this one. Exactly. <laughs> Looks like sports gambling in Kentucky has passed the House of Representatives and now goes on to the Senate. It may face an uphill battle. Uh, I think I've said this before. I, I don't care if it passes or not, personally. I know I, I'm. I, I take a libertarian point of view on stuff like this, though. If if I I don't, I wouldn't stand in the way if it. Uh, it's kind of the way I pass. feel. I, but, I I I never want to be the person, and I see this way too much. I watch football for the enjoyment of it. I don't want. I don't want me having a bet determining my enjoyment of a game. That's my problem with with sports betting. Not that I and I wholeheartedly. If you want to do it, that's fine. But if I'm watching a sporting event, for the most part, I don't need a bet to make it more appealing to me. Maybe during the NCAA tournament might be a little interesting. But I'm not going to – like you said, I'm not going to stand anybody's way. Now, the one thing that does bother me, I, I think I should have the right to open a sports book. That's just – that's – I'd agree. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I don't understand why three or four or five entities in the state get to have a monopoly on, right. on things here. That's my problem. I, I want If I own a restaurant, I want to be able to take bets on a game. You know, that's, yeah, I agree. I think you're completely right there. So speaking of sports gambling, of course, uh, now Thursday is probably one of my four, five, six favorite days of the year. I love the opening day of March Madness, which is mm-hmm. Thursday. I'm not counting the first four, Tuesday and Wednesday. Thursday, I will veg out on my couch, and I'll have a computer and my phone and – a TV, and I will I will watch as many games as I can that they're that they're showing. Okay, and I love every minute of it. So my question to you: Do you have a Final Four? And prior to that, do you have any upsets that you foresee? Oh God, you are putting me on the spot here because I used to think that um, Selection Sunday was Christmas. I mean, it was like a holiday for me and all my buddies. It doesn't quite feel that way anymore to me. I did watch it last night. There's a couple reasons. Um, I believe this, I believe college basketball is on the down downslide. I think it's the way it's set up with the conference tournaments and a meaningless season, and then with NIL, which I agree with, and some other things. I just think overall, I think it's hurt the game. Uh, and, and I think where we have like non-parity in college football, and people get tired of that. There's almost too much parity in college basketball. It used to be you had teams you could root against right you would had like some teams that had some sense of invincibility like a really good UNLV team or Duke or Kentucky or North Carolina beating them meant something it was like a a, you don't have that anymore would you be surprised if any of these number one seeds lost I mean there's very very little separates number one seeds from the number I don't know nine seeds anymore and stuff so that to me it's a good thing and a bad thing because all the games are going to be exciting I think they're all going to be extremely uh, well-matched well-played games but it does lack that David and Goliath feel. Does does that make any sense to you? You know, I mean, there's not Goliath doesn't seem to be around anymore. Everybody's a David. So yeah. I'm going to answer your question in a second. I'm just going to see if you you, you got. And of course, my team is no good anymore. 
in which I've kind of fallen out of favor with them to some extent. I don't think they're going to do very well. Uh, I, I disagree with that. Any, anybody. Well, I shouldn't say that because if you're in this tournament, anybody can make a run. Because I've just said, there's almost too much parity. I don't know how you even handicap or attempt to pick an NCAA a Final Four anymore. Um, I haven't watched enough basketball to really be, you know, to really have a strong opinion. I think uh, isn't he, Houston. Houston has a really nice chance, right, uh, Mr. Kelvin Sampson. Houston's uh, uh, best player, Marcus Sasser, pulled his groin on or injured his groin on Saturday. I, personally, I enjoy my groin. But enjoy pulling on it. I would. I would not do well without it. So if, if he's <laughs> injured, you know, Houston may have a tough road. Yeah, well, I, I tell you what I do like. I do like UCLA a little bit. I do like UCLA. I guess shout out Dan Cronin, right? Uh, I think they could be. I think the they fighting could be really fat tough. ball guys. The fighting fat ball guys. I'm gonna have to maybe defer to you because usually I know these these rosters backwards and forwards. I have not followed as much as I had the past couple of years. Is there somebody I should be paying attention to that you 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 believe we should? Texas. Texas. Texas is on a roll right now. They've got a great backcourt. I think that the coach that took Chris Beard's place is, is all right. I think he's doing a good job. I think uh, I'm penciling Texas into my Final Four. And then, of course, on the other side, Alabama, I think uh, maybe just the best team in, in the whole shebang. Yeah, They're fun to watch. Yes, yes, there's problems going there that are, are pretty rancid, to be honest with you. The people are kind of poo-pooing, and I don't like that. They are fun to watch, however, I, I will give you that. And maybe Kansas State, shout-out to Rob. Mm-hmm. To listen to his crap over the next three weeks, probably. <laughs> and uh, I, I, a sleeper, I would say Missouri. I can that see co- that. That coach is fantastic. He, he should be sought after. He's mm-hmm. a rookie head coach. Dennis Gates, I think is his name. I, I, I like him a lot. I think they've got a – looking for them on the bracket. I don't even see them. They, they did get in, right? <laughs> yeah, they're a seven or an eight, I believe, as I recall. Top yeah. of my head. I don't, but, yeah. You mentioned Beard. Uh, Beard just took the job. I think he's rumored to take the job at Ole Miss. He he did. He took the Ole Miss job. Yeah. Anyway, they they that's, they shoot high sometimes. Good for them. That's where college coaches go to die. Probably, but it's it's a nice town. Have you ever been down to Oxford? It's it is nice. I will say. Never that. been there. Never been there. No, it's it's really cool. Yeah, I, I can't give you a strong opinion on anything. All right. Well, enough well, of that. This is our Kentucky Derby and Kentucky Oaks. Pre-preview. 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 And we've got a returning guest, one of our favorite guests, and she's coming up next. Okay, it is Road to the Kentucky Derby and Kentucky Oaks season. The first round of prep races have been basically concluded. Now we're going to get into the, I think what they call the, the championship season, where we're going to really establish the order of uh, of of horses, uh, how they will be entered into the Derby. Uh, of course, all horses vying for those top 20 positions. And as we have done the last couple of years, we brought on our expert, our well-respected, appreciated expert. I'm talking none other than J.J. Heisel. Hey, hey, J.J. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Well, I'm frozen. Solid. <laughs> yes. And I am waiting for April to get here. I cannot wait for Keeneland to open. Actually, they say spring actually starts when when Easter gets here. 
So I'm I'm waiting for Easter. But in the meantime, we've got a ton of Kentucky Derby preps to look at. And I want to pick your brain about a lot of these horses. I know you've got a unique perspective on uh, a lot of these nice horses and uh we're gonna we're gonna get to the bottom of it uh right now. JJ, I wanna talk about the overwhelming Kentucky Derby favorite as it is today. To me it seems like Forte and nineteen guys named Harry. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Forte easily won the Fountain of Youth Stakes. Uh he beat the Holy Bull Stakes winner, Rocket Can. Forte now, I think maybe what did he go off four to one in the uh, the Derby Future Pool? He's a uh, son of violence. Three to one. Three to one. Three to one. Eight weeks out. That's incredible. That's insane. That's insane. Yeah, it's it's insanity. That's for certain. But Forte, your thoughts on Forte, the defending two year old champion? One more prep. I assume he's going to Florida Derby, then on to Kentucky, right? Right. And public opinion on this horse is so strong. Uh, like you said, I, I was shocked that he went off at three to one in the Derby Future Wager. Most years, that's what we see the all other three year olds go off as. That's always the one that takes the money. This year, that that was, I believe, way down the list behind behind Forte. I personally would not take three to one on Forte at this juncture, even though he looks very strong and there's no you know no real knocks against him. It's just too early to take. Three to one uh, on Forte. I, I I wouldn't take that low, but uh, I am a little surprised that there's such a heavy support for him, even though the win was very dominant. Uh, you know, violence. The, the sire. You know, his career was cut short, and a lot of people thought. I think that his his runners would be middle distance type sprints types, but I think Forte is showing us that that, that that's not the case. Uh, there were a lot of questions going in. Could he handle? Can he handle extended distances? And I think this race, the way he just dominated and galloped out, uh, just showed his, his absolute strength. One of the things that I really like about Forte is his level of energy. Uh, before and after the races, he never looks like he's tired. He never looks winded. He actually looks like he's dancing. He's, he's always on top of his hooves. He doesn't look winded at all. And if you watch the, it's very interesting. If you watch, I shared it on Twitter, the jockey cam that was on Rocket Can in the Fountain of Youth. You will see Forte blow by Rocket Can like he was standing still. It's almost like when you're driving a sedan on the highway and somebody in a Corvette comes by you in the fast lane and it just literally blows you. You know, your car moves because they're going fast. That's what it, it, it felt and looked like on that jockey cam. And when I saw that footage, I thought, you know, it's going to take a lot for anybody in that field to turn the tables on this horse. He has such a strong foundation. He's almost, I think, like an older horse to some of these horses because he's, he's been running so long. He started his career very early as a two-year-old. And I think he's so far advanced from them. So, the Florida Derby will probably come up very light. Bill Mott has already talked about – he's sending his horses elsewhere. Rocket Can is probably going to the Arkansas Derby. Shadow Dragon is probably going to the Wood. I'm just wondering who's going to take on Forte because he's now the monster. I also want to talk about the horses uh, behind Forte in the Fountain of Youth. Uh, you've already mentioned one was Rocket Can. 
and you said he's going to the Arkansas Derby. What, what about the, the the long distance prospects for this horse? He's a son of into mischief, but he's got some speed or excuse me, some uh, stamina influences in the pedigree. The uh, rocket can flying under the radar that uh, that is Forte. Yeah, I mean, Rocket, he's been facing the best of the rest. I mean, I think there's no questioning his class. Uh, physically, he's one of the most stunning horses I've ever seen, actually. He's a very unique gray color, and he has these big black eyes. His head formation almost looks like an Arabian. Uh, he's, he's absolutely beautiful horse. But also, uh, you know, he's run with the top horses. He was second to confidence game, second to Forte. His holy bull was very a very good race. Um, I, I think he definitely has a future. I wouldn't, I wouldn't certainly toss him. But after seeing that footage, I'm just wondering, he's going to have to do more to turn the tables on Forte if, when he faces Forte, if he faces him in the Derby. And the fact that Mott is sending him elsewhere makes me think, uh, you know, they, they think that they can't beat Forte is what that's telling. Cyclone Mischief, another son of Into Mischief, uh, ran third after a terrible race in the Holy Bull. Uh, where's he going now? Florida Derby, maybe? Or coming to Kentucky? Yeah, I'm not sure yet where Cyclone will end up. He might be coming to Kentucky. Um, I'm, I'm firmly in the camp that Cyclone Mischief is probably a sprint to middle distance horse. Uh, he gets a lead and he, he just can't hold. Uh, I just don't. I don't see him as excelling at a mile and a quarter, and especially against these other horses. Uh, this is a horse who I would love to see in a, in a race like the Pat Day Mile. Uh, I think he would be an exceptional miler, but that, that's just what I view his future as. I, I, I don't see anything wrong with this fountain of youth, but as a derby horse, uh, you, you look at look at look at his recent races, and you think, well, how's he going to get a mile and a quarter against these other horses who are beating him when he can't hold he can't hold the lead? My prediction, real quick, I'm gonna say he goes into Lexington. That'd be my guess as well. How Dale Roman give him more try to shorter distance, see if that speed will last, and then that gives you an excuse to get in the Derby if you run second or so. So we'll see. That's my prediction. Right. I'll let you guys get back to it. Well, let's go north to Tampa Bay. And they just ran the Tampa Bay Derby. Not Tampa Bay, Tampa, Florida. Not Tampa, Tampa Bay you said, Downs. You said north of Tampa Bay for a second. I was like, what? Oh, okay, I get it. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. North. Yeah, yeah. you're yeah, right. Yeah. You're right. It's kind right. of weird. All right, let's, well, I want to get a, a consensus from the group here. Tappet Trice won the race. I, I lean toward being underwhelmed. I know it looked impressive on paper. I think he was beating tomato cans. That's just my opinion. And I think he was going with the grain of the racetrack late. I have no evidence to back that up. But, J.J., you go first. Tappet Trice, uh, legitimate derby threat, or perhaps uh, just uh, took advantage of a soft field? Yeah, Tappet Trice is our polarizing figure currently in the derby. And then on social media, boy, you'll, you'll get all kinds of, of responses. People either really like him or they just don't like him for the Derby. Um, David Aragona, who's a very astute handicapper in New York, he he posted the, the last three splits of the Tampa Bay Derby for Tappet Trice, and they were 12.73, 12.63, and then 12.32. He got faster and accelerated. Yeah. Those are Those are excellent numbers. But on the other hand, I agree, though. He's got a lot to overcome. Um, 
the, the, the slow starts are very troubling. Uh, you cannot do that in the Derby and expect that you're going to be able to navigate traffic and, and close that way in the Derby. Uh, Louis Sias had a very interesting quote after the race when he said, when the dirt was hitting him in the face, he was very green, which tells me a lot that he, he didn't start running until he got in the clear. And for a horse who has this history of troubled starts, uh, with the dirt hitting you in the face causing problems, that's, that's a serious issue. He reminds me, uh, tremendously of his damn sire Dunkirk, uh, who was also yes. named by yes. Todd Smulcher. He, he's a doppelganger physically. And, and if you'll recall, Dunkirk was also plagued by several troubled starts, including in the Derby, in the slot, the 2009 Derby. In the Belmont, Dunkirk, Dunkirk finally got such a good start that Johnny V gunned him to the lead in, in the Belmont, and he almost pulled it off. Personally, I think Tappet Rice could win the Belmont wire to wire. This is a distance horse. He's bred to go long, but these, these issues with the, with the breaking at the gate are a problem. He's also, after the Tampa Bay Derby, he was very winded after that effort, which is to be expected after what he had to do with so much left to do at the end of the race. That's to be expected, but he was very tired. He's going to have to rebound from this race, possibly go back in the bluegrass, which could be another very taxing race, depending on how he breaks. It's going to be a large field. We know it'll be a large field. Then he, then he makes it to the Derby. If he's going up against fresher horses, that to me is something else to to consider. Um, at this point, I don't have Tappet Rice in my top five. Now that could change, but at this point, there's a lot of obstacles, and there are so many other horses that are fat that are fast that I like. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I could be swayed into liking the horse. I, he got an 88 buyer, which is not great. But he was wide, so the thoroughgraph people and the ragazin people are going to like that effort. I think I, he was what four wide, five wide coming off the far turn. A lot right. of ground, a lot of ground loss there. It's going to be built into his sheet numbers, and I, I got a feeling those sheet numbers are going to be fairly competitive uh, yeah. going forward. So I, I could be swayed. Now on the flip side, I think only one Kentucky Derby winner has. Used the Tampa Bay Derby as a prep, and I have street sense. 150 years ago, <laughs> uh, I don't think I remember Menifee back in the 90s ran used the race. Now he he finished second in the Derby behind Charismatic. I'm trying to, th- I'm sure there are others, but uh, Alan or Brandon, you want to chime in on Tap at Trice? What was your opinion of the race? I, I'll go real quick if that's okay. Um, he's a closer. Okay, he's. So far, he's proven he's close. Like JJ said, the longer race, he may better break. He may lay closer to pace. I think he probably could as well too. The thing to keep in mind when we when we talk about closers, particularly at the longer distances, not all closers are the same. And what I mean by that is, I'll take I'll give you a horse like Rich Strike or uh, Red Route One, in that they are closers, but they have that more of that short burst turn of foot, that kind of that electric kind of turn of foot, if you give them the right setup. If you give them the fast pace, they'll make that sweeping move. It'll be a it'll be a blitz move, right? It's a turn of foot almost like in like milers, but you gotta be able to do it a mile and a quarter. Red Route one has proven he can do it at a mile and a sixteenth or some mile and an eighth. And of course uh Rich Strike is that weird horse who is able to do it a mile and a quarter to have that really serious kick. 
that's not to say a Tampa Trice is not a better horse than say a Rich Strike, but he's got that long, sustained Julius Shining kind of um, not lumbering that that type of move, that long grinding type, right? You know what I mean, JJ? You have different type right. closers. You have, and so it's like I could see a Tampa Trice win, won the race from off the Derby. Off the pace in the Derby, just like Rich Strike did, I think it'd be two different scenarios. Where Rich Strike was kind of electrifying, passing sixteen horses. If Tampa Trice did it, it'd be that long grinding move down the stretch, where almost like a Giacomo type thing or whatever. So, do I like the horse? I don't know. I'm torn. I, I go both both ways. Uh, I think it was a good effort. I thought he was beaten. Uh, I thought the runner-up got a, ran a pretty decent race, classic car wash, because he was way back, too. He made a pretty impressive move. I think nobody's paying attention to him. I'm not saying he's going to do anything in the, in the Derby or he's even going to get there, but uh, I'm torn. I, I'm torn on the horse. I tried to beat him the other day. Uh, I thought it was the right move at one to two, but he, he, he did get it going late. And, again, I'm not sure what to feel, so – wouldn't classic car wash be the greatest name ever on a derby glass? Oh, I, I've thought about that. Yes, it's <laughs> like I'm hoping the horse gets almost like soup and sandwich kind of deal to some yeah. extent. If he could get in or whatever, and I think his horse he may hit underlaid status. Uh, well, number no one's going to be seventy to one anymore probably after last year, but people would bet that name. I think you know, two dollar bets would bet that name. You know, out of that race though, he did throw his best fire speed. You know, the record of this horse is really strong. You know, he's he's started four times, I think, and had, you know, finished uh, first three times. So, really strong. I, I, is he green? Yeah. He still looked a little green. Did I think he was dead at the turn? I did. I was like, well, I figured my single's over. This ticket's not going to come home. But he just kind of, I don't know if it's grinding, but, yeah, he was green and he responded late. But he so, was, when, he, when he was in the clear, like she said, when he didn't get the dirt kicked, he did right. he did kick in. So are you going to be able to stay clear of dirt in a 20-horse field? I, probably not. <laughs> oh, no. Not, not Then it goes down to post and everything else. But do I want the distance? Does this horse want distance? Yeah. I mean, those splits, like what J.J. said, I, I, don't, I don't know if I would include it on my ticket, but it's something to follow. You know, what's the horse's next start? You know, how is it, how did the horse come out of this one? Is it learning? Is it growing? You know, are, are all the, the things that, that matter most there? Then it'd be worth a shot, you know, but, you know, who did he pass? You're right. I mean, but those right. are very impressive times coming home. And why was he so dead last the whole race? <laughs> he just broke slow. He just broke slow. So yeah. Yeah. And you got Zaya. So. Size is going to stay the mount. I would, uh, I, I would guess, right? Yeah. I don't. Yeah. So, I got, I got to trust that guy. I trust. Size gave up the mount on the the reigning Kentucky Oaks winner, Secret Oath for for mm. Tap Trice. Good for him. Yeah, it says say something. So I'm torn. Yeah. I'm personally torn, but we'll see. Still got too much figured out. All right, let's go to the deep south now. Let's talk about some uh, Louisiana and Arkansas horses. One that's. Probably completely falling off the radar is Instant Coffee, son of Bolt Doro. I have an Uncle Mo Mare. I'm looking at this pedigree. This makes me feel so old. <laughs> the third dam of this horse is Miss Mary Apples. I believe was a stakes winner at Saratoga, and I believe maybe won the the Schuylerville or, or one of those races. But that's gosh, that doesn't seem that long ago. And she's already got. She has a great 
granddaughter, excuse me, great grandson in in Derby contention. So that's a interesting instant coffee is basically a stone cold closer. JJ, what's uh, I assume he's going to the Louisiana Derby next. Yes, and and there's a lot of buzz on on instant coffee at the fairgrounds. He still has a lot of support from from a lot of backers who are waiting to see the Louisiana Derby. It, it's going to be interesting. He'll be coming in off a layoff, you know, with that LeCompte being in January. He's, go, he's going to be coming in with some time off, and he's going to be facing some some pretty interesting new rivals. Like we're looking at possibly Kings Barnes, the the Pletcher allowance winner, could be going there as well. So that'll that'll be an interesting test for him. Um, you know, you, you look at instant coffee, he's only had four races, but they're very good running lines. I mean, he, he ran really well despite that, that, that back start in the Breeders' Futurity, which the Breeders' Futurity has turned out to be, of course, the, the key race of the whole two-year-old season. I mean, look at everybody that's come out of that race. Mm-hmm. He finished a decent fourth, and then he comes back, he wins the Kentucky Jockey Club, and then he wins the LeCompte. And, and in both of those races, he was at least five wide. This horse can navigate traffic. He is agile. He has the qualities that you need to navigate through through a field. I don't I don't see him, even though he's a closer, as similar to Tappet Trice. He doesn't have a habitual problem with a with a gate break. It's more with him. I think it's more of a positioning. And if, and if you were to be a little further up, you know, like say instead of sixth in the in the jockey club, if he started off fifth or fourth. I, I don't think that would alter his performance any. If anything, he, he might run off. So uh, I, th- I think Instant Coffee is definitely legitimate. He's a, he's a legitimate contender here. And I said the only thing to look for is will he be a little rusty off the layoff and are any of these newcomers real threats? There's a lot of buzz about King Barnes. I, I saw that allowance race. I was very impressed with that allowance race by King Barnes. Sayas rode this horse in the jacket club, right? Yes. So, yeah. So, yeah, just like Brad Cox, an embarrassment of riches for Saez as well. Another Brad Cox runner is Angel of Empire, won the Risen Star Stakes. Probably, I would think, maybe second string in the Cox barn, but a horse that's probably got a license to improve. Yeah, the, the Risen Star was 100% about trip and pace. So that, that was a very interesting race, and a lot of us had trouble seeing it. It was so dark. You got that right. <laughs> we, we, we weren't able to really assess a whole lot going on there, but, but three of the top four finishers that, that, that in that race came from far back. Uh, now, two fills, I thought, ran a very good race because he was up closer to the pace, whereas the others, they, they had a breather in the beginning. They, they were farther back. Um, but yeah, Angel of Empire, I think the jury's still out on him. I, I think he surprised a lot of people. He certainly has a good pet pedigree. Uh, being a Pennsylvania bred, he was also overlooked. Being by Classic Empire, though, he, he's not going to have any problems with distance, obviously. Uh, it's just a question of where does he, he fit in the picture. For me, the horse I want out of the Risen Star is Sun Thunder. Sun Thunder mm-hmm. is a very intriguing horse. And when you were talking earlier, about that explosive turn of foot. Watch Sun Thunder's maiden win at Oakland, and you will see. I mean, that that was a secret oath type of of burst, and he did it again in in the Risen Star. He was tenth heading into the top of the stretch. He had the lead by the time they were in the stretch. This horse has a, has an explosive velocity, and if he can just learn to be a little bit closer to the pace. If he can just get in better position and, and use that velocity to his advantage, this horse would be very dangerous. 
Let's talk about confidence gain. Uh, confidence gain won the Rebel Stakes in his last start. Uh, I'm wondering about this horse. Uh, could he be a little bit on the ouchy side? I know he was relatively inexpensive. I think would they give twenty five, thirty thousand dollars for him at auction? I'm showing twenty five thousand as a yearling. Horses like that tend to be a little bit on the crooked side as far as their legs and their conformation and whatnot. I just wonder if that's kind of bearing bearing fruit right now because this horse uh, Desarmo's playing around with it, just training up to the to the Derby, and I, I don't really care for that strategy. But they're not going to go into Louisiana Derby now. I think that was announced either today or yesterday. Uh, what say you? Uh, this horse's pedigree is brilliant, but like I said, they he, he must look awful because he. he he didn't bring much, but he's his mother is a half sister to uh, the great Zenyatta, and uh, you know he he looked he looked he looked the part when the rebel, but I, I don't know. Jury's out. Yeah, ju- jury's out on him. He's very experienced. I mean, he's raced seven times, and uh, you know he, he he hasn't thrown a lot of poor races. I mean, you could say the Iroquois when he finished fifth, he he was off his game, but he, he's always been in the mix. Um, I the the rebel to me. The, that that track, either those some of those horses really liked it and some didn't. And I think confidence game. I believe he had the highest tunnels and wet figure going into that race. He has a tremendous off track pedigree. I I do think the wet track moved him up a lot in that race. I don't think it was a fluke win by any means, but it, you have to think that that helped a lot because some of the other horses really struggled in that race. Yeah. I, I don't. I haven't made a final decision on a confidence game yet, but I I do think that he's better on and off track. And if you look at his race against Instant Coffee, well, Instant Coffee handled him, and I, I think he flatters Instant Coffee is basically what he does. Uh, no, we've already touched on Hit Show, JJ. Do you know where Hit Show is going to show up next? Um, I'm thinking is it the, either the Wood or Arkansas. Okay. I I don't know. I, I I would think Cox may have verifying in the Arkansas Derby, and I don't know. I mean, he could. He's got like twelve to choose from. Right. So I, I assume he's going to have to run a few against each other. So I mean, that would that would make sense. I think five weeks out now. Right. So that, yeah. So all right, let's go west, and then we're going to go far west. But first, uh, practical move. Won the San Felipe Stakes for Tim Yakteen. The Yakteen had entered five in the race. One had to scratch, but the the the, the other four were transfers in the Baffert Barn. But I thought it was pretty cool that his horse won the race. I think he had a perfect trip that day. This is a horse that's uh, answered every question, but I think he's easy to poke holes in. I really liked Practical Move, and I'm surprised that nobody is talking about this horse. I think he was overshadowed by Forte. Everybody was waiting for the return of Forte, which is totally understandable, and Forte's performance was so so glitterazzi. You know, we were, we were all seeing that. But, but what Practical Move did in the San Felipe was, was really quite tremendous. I mean, John White, who's a, a very sharp derby handicapper out west, a morning line maker, uh, he said in his column that this was fastest San Felipe in eight years. And when you, when you look at his last two races, the, the, 
figures are phenomenal for his Los Alamitos Fajardi and San Felipe. Those are the two fastest times for mile and the 16th preps that we've had so far. He came in off the layoff from the Los Alamitos Futurity and didn't have any problems dispatching this field. Now, I do wish National Treasure had been in there because we would have been able to gauge the field better. National Treasure is one of the more accomplished horses who would have been in the field. It, it did downgrade the field with that scratch. But I do believe the top three finishers in the San Felipe are all very good horses who are on the rise. Go Rocket Ride and Skinner as well. Um, practical move. I know he's the son of Practical Joke, and some would say there are distance limitations. But when you look at him, he looks more like his damn sire of Fleet Alex. And I don't, I don't see that there would be any issues with, with distance with him. Uh, I am very impressed with this horse. And as of right now, as of today, if I had to pick a number one, it would be practical move. All right. Strong. Strong. Well, a horse that ran behind practical move is a horse that's kind of on my radar, and that's Skinner, who's named after my bus driver. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you probably didn't know that. But, no, this this is the son of Curlin out of a Malibu moon mare. And uh, I tell you, a horse he reminds me of a little bit is Giacomo. I mean, he doesn't – doesn't resemble him at any, you know, by any stretch. But uh, I thought Giacomo, when he won the Derby in 2005, benefited from getting away from speed-biased California tracks. And I think this is a horse that could benefit. I, I would like to see him run in the Santa Anita Derby, maybe run third or fourth again, and then bring him here, and, and maybe we'll see what happens. We'll roll the dice at 40 to one again. Uh, any love for Skinner? Yeah. I, 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 I like all three from the San Felipe, and I agree about Skinner. You know, it looks to me like Skinner really turned a corner now. Now that he's now he's become a three-year-old, it looks like as a two-year-old he was still trying to figure things out, which is common with the John Sheriff's horse. They, they're trying to figure things out. They usually have these distance pedigrees, just like he does, curling out of Malibu Moon, Moon Mare. And then when they become three-year-olds or they get older, they just start to flourish. And and you see that with Skinner. Now he he is a closer. He does have to you know come from off the pace. But I yeah I thought it was a great effort. Uh, the the top three from that race are are, are very solid. I think I just, the the way practical move the way a practical move runs I think is is a Derby type of running style. He he you watch he, he he's always in like third or fourth position. He angles into space. He makes his move, and then he he gallops out so strong after the win. Both of his gallop outs after his stakes races were phenomenal. So that that's kind of the thing that that you look at. It was like we were talking about last year was an anomaly. It's very unlikely that we are going to see twenty one and change to open the Derby this year. It's probably we don't know how it's going to shape up yet, but it's probably going to be a normal year. And in normal years, since the point system was enacted, these are the type of horses that win the Derby. They are fast. They post fast times. They are up-close stalkers who get in that position and, and make that move. They're, they're usually not horses that have to come from far behind. That's not saying that, that these horses can't win the race, but it's just that since the point system was enacted, these faster horses – have have a much higher statistical chance of winning because these closers just can't get to them. Uh, last horse in this country I want to talk about. Then we're going to go abroad. Uh, 
there's a New Mexico wonder horse named Henry Q. Uh, he, he took him a few starts to break his maiden. And he finally broke his maiden to Santa Anita. A daring ride by Frankie DeTore to get up along the rail to win by a nose. His trainer's Todd Fincher, who's not a household name yet, but he is certainly on his way. He shipped this horse to New Mexico to run in the Mind That Bird Derby. And he essentially got a perfect trip, but he he won by 14 lengths. He beat a horse that uh, overmatched horse named Garuvin. The horse raced here at uh, Churchill for Gennaro Garcia. And uh, he blew blew the doors off that horse. Uh, I think a horse ran a 93 buyer. I think there's some upside potential for this horse. Uh, what about Henry Q, the son of Blaine? Yeah, I, I saw that that replay of that race. Yeah, Henry Q. Uh, Blaine has a lot of horses on the trail this year. I, I know right. he's got a he's got wet paint for the Oaks, and he's got a Litigate who who won the Santa David. Uh, yeah, Henry Q. Obviously was way overmatched for this field. I mean, he obviously belongs in at a much level. I, I would love to see him take on you know some some of these more classier rivals and see how he does. I hope that they do that with him because we want to see how good is he. You can't really tell when he's going against these in the mind that bird. But, but as you mentioned, you know, he's previously shown that he's got the potential. I hope they put him in, in, a, in the higher level and we can see what he can do. He certainly merits a look. Any horse that wins by that much. I think he's going to show up uh, two weeks in the Sunland Park Derby. So, Keep an eye out there. Now, let's go. These are these some horses that really intrigue me. I'm, I'm looking at the uh, the Japanese contingent next. And I know one of these horses, his name is Mandarin Road. He's shipping to Santa Anita to run in the Santa Anita Derby. It's the son of Shanghai Bobby, and he is not racing on the main Japanese circuit. He, he kind of he's racing on the Indiana Grand yeah. Ellis Park, Belterra Park circuit, I, I guess you could say, if you wanted to uh, make a comparison. But uh, he, he's, he's shipping here, and, and his last race, I believe, is on YouTube, and I watched it. And uh, I, I, I'm going to assume you've probably seen it, too. What were your thoughts on Mandarin Hero? Yeah, Mandarin Hero is very, very interesting that, he, that he's coming for the Sanita Derby. I believe the trainer has really wanted to come to San Anita. San Anita had, and and uh, this circuit in Japan, they have some kind of relationship. I, I forgot what the exact situation is, but but with this circuit here, and yeah, it is like it's it's it's. I believe the circuit is one rung below the the main circuit for Japan. But yeah, he was undefeated as a juvenile, and then was second in his three-year-old debut, and he's been running on dirt. And he he worked. He comes to about what was a seventy-four thousand dollar purchase. So it, it'll be interesting to see what he does. Uh, there's a lot of excitement around him coming for this race. Whether or not he can beat the the horses that we expect to be in the Santa Anita Derby, I, I don't know about that. But I'm glad that he's coming. I I want to see a, a closer look at him physically, get a close-up look. Hopefully we'll get closer looks. He's supposed to be here, I believe, March 29th. He's supposed to arrive to prepare for the race. And I would I would like to see him closer up. Um, but, but as far as, I don't blame them for, for taking a chance. I mean, when you have an undefeated two-year-old and then he comes back and does so well as a three-year-old, uh, why not take a chance and see if you can make the gate for the Derby? The, the race I saw, I, it, maybe it was his last race as a two-year-old, 
you got to see this. I mean, uh, I think it was about a mile and 16. And the rider just puts him into the race. He's probably six, seven lengths back. And the rider just puts him in the race a half mile in. And he's just got him in a, in a, in a drive like six furlongs out. And I thought, God, oh my gosh, this, what is he, what's this guy doing? And, uh, it was the right move. And he, he, he ground out a victory late. You know, at the worst, I mean, this horse is a trier. So, uh, yeah, like you, I'm interested to see. But the other horse I'm kind of interested in, I don't know if this is going to pan out or not. And he's going to run the UAE Derby next. It's a horse named Dura Aradae, who has already, he, he already has a, a win in a mile and a quarter. And albeit it's on grass at Nakayama in Japan. This horse is bred to run 18 miles, much yeah. less a mile and a quarter. And I know he's going to the UAE Derby. I think he broke his maiden on dirt or, or Japan's version of dirt. And uh, yeah, this horse, he, he won the, the Nakayama hopeful stakes. Like I said, 10 furlongs on grass and he was up on the lead the whole way. So, you know, if, if there is a soft pace, this horse would absolutely be one to consider. He comes up, like I said, he goes in the UAE Derby. Uh, has this horse made it, has, has your eyes, uh, been drawn to this horse yet? Yeah, I, I, I think he, he could be a winner of, of that race. And then I was looking at a, there's another horse, uh, Perrier. Perrier's by, the other one, yes. Yeah, by Henny Hughes. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about it. Henny Hughes has a long distance horse, but yeah, Perrier caught my eye as well. Those are two that, that I was looking at. Um, the, the UAE Derby is definitely going to be a, a very interesting race. I, I, Japan has, has done so well all over the world. I would not be surprised if if they have horses who make the Derby gate this year. All right, looking forward to that. Uh, that's yeah, the UAE Derby is also in two weeks. So the two weeks from now is going to be a big day around here. Uh, big day at Turfway. I think a big day at Oakland. Wait a minute, is my calendar off? I can't remember when the UAE Derby is. The Dubai World Cup Day. It's either the, the same day as Jeff Ruby, I believe. Jeff Ruby is the same day. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's gonna be a gonna be a long day. I'll be a tired puppy at the end of that deal. But uh, guys, I'll turn it over to you all, Alan or, or Brandon, whoever's got questions for JJ. We we get we we won't see her again until probably end of April. So ask, we'll make see. her work, make her work. <laughs> you got it. Uh, you know, you make a good point there with with her. It's like uh, you know, back in the day. I used to watch Saturday Night Live before it, it started sucking ass, and it, it does suck anymore. So, but back in the day, they would always uh, talk about having their five time guests. You know, they hit the five timers club. <laughs> I don't. We. T- I think JJ has hit that five timer club. It, am I right, CC? Is this her fifth time? Well, she was here at least three times last year, and then maybe at least this may be number six. In my, oh man, she's hitting. She may have yeah. passed Michelle in this. Congratulations. Could be seven. Jeez! Wow. Yeah. Uh, my my goal is to make the Mount Rushmore of of guests. You're, you're you've Mount done West. that. You've done that. Have you? Uh, oh, yeah, there's no doubt you're on the Mount Rushmore. Did you? Would you consider yourself more of a Steve Martin or a Tom Hanks? We're not gonna we're not gonna put you with the Alec Baldwin, maybe, but uh, Steve Martin, Tom Hanks. What, you, what do you prefer? Oh gosh, I like both. I, I like both. I, I I'm probably Tom Hanks because I'm goofy. Okay, there you go. There you go. You get you you get five time. You get to pick uh, who your representative is. Well, those guys might be like 13 or 14 on that show, but again, I don't watch it anymore. But um, I thought you, I thought you'd hit that mark on this this magic threshold. Uh, getting back to something we we've touched on a little bit, we danced around the topic a little bit. 
But it dawned on me yesterday, and maybe you've had this same uh, ideal, uh, JJ. Have you ever seen a derby prep season that all of the horses that have won, virtually all the horses that have won, are either deep closers or horses coming from mid-pack? Generally speaking, these younger horses at these mile to 16-mile races, they you know they get on the lead and, and they just go, but their the brilliance takes over. But I'm I am going through my head, going through all the preps that I've seen, with the exception of Arabian Knight, who's no longer on the trail. Every horse, it's not just stalkers. I mean, we're not talking stalkers. We're talking right. mid pack, like a confidence game at best. And the majority are deep closers, like a Dennington, like a Tampa Trice, uh, some other ones. Have you ever remember a prep season like this where it's been all deep closers? Yeah, I, I think that's an excellent point because, it, yeah, it, it does seem like we have a, a higher number of, of those deep closers. And in the, the era of the point system, that's, a, that's going to be very interesting if that does hold up. Because, like I said, you, you know, ever since we've had the point system enacted, we no longer have that situation where you have those burnout speedsters uh, coming into the race, which is why last year was such an anomaly. You usually don't have that anymore. So, you know, and the closers would, would often have a chance and come up. So if it, if that holds up, that, that forms an interesting scenario. Do you think that these, these closers have a chance because of, of, of the, the fact that there's so many in the race that, that it, it narrows it down? Or does that make mean that it's between forte and practical move? Right. Yeah, because we, we, we have a tendency to think of Forte as, as a quote unquote closerman. He actually lays pretty close. He's fairly tractable and he finishes strongly. You can almost argue to some extent that Forte already has, a, of course, it's two months out, two months out, has an advantage because he can lay up close and still kick. And, uh, I just, I just don't see that this year. And again, two months, a lot can change in two months. There'll be defections. There'll be horses that rise to the forefront. There'll be trainers who decide, hey, I mean, jockeys and trainers are, are smart. They, they'll send theirs. We will have an honest pace, I'm sure, by the time it rolls around. But as of right now, we've got a lot of deep closers in this. And we just do. We're just, we don't see that either that pure speed or even that, that cruising speed uh, that right. we usually see this time of year. I find it a bit of an anomaly. I'm sure it will change. Uh, one of the, and the guy I'm getting ready to mention may be part of the reason it changes because he's a pretty sharp cookie. And, and it's Brad Cox, and I wanted to bring him up, even though we've touched on his horses, in that it feels like, I guess, I guess Todd Pletcher, Todd Pletcher's kind of had the mantle so far. It seems like even though he's got a multitude of horses, Brad Cox is kind of flying under the radar. Like even if he put five horses in the Derby at this moment, they'd all be double digits, I think. Um, you got Angel of Empire, you got Verifying, you've got uh, Tapest Conquest, you've got oh the horse in New York, uh, Iron Clover. I'm forgetting somebody too. Um, hit show. Hit show. Yeah, we touched on hit show. None of those horses would be single digits right now. Some of them may not, some of them may still need points to get in. I'm a little fond of verifying person. I think he had a terrible trip in, in, yeah. the, in the Rebel, but are, are we all under, are we kind of undervaluing him? So I know you like hit show, but are we undervaluing Brad Cox so far? Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I think definitely that, you know, horses, it, it seems like the, the trend now is, is a horse has one race and, and not even necessarily a bad race. But they, they don't win or they don't fascinate and everybody just sort of tosses them. And I think that's happened to a lot of Brad Cox horses. Uh, Taffet's Conquest, it was interesting that after that race, Brad was still very high on Taffet's Conquest. Mm-hmm. He said after the race, he said, I still have a lot of faith in this horse. I don't think that was a bad race at all. 
and he was very optimistic about him coming back in the Louisiana Derby. Now, he did say victory formation might have distance limitations, might be a Pat Day mile type of horse. But I, I, I agree. I, I think that a lot of his horses are getting overlooked. I have Hit Show in my top five. Mm-hmm. I think Hit Show is being totally overlooked because he's in New York. He's not getting any credit. This is a, a very good horse, even though he's only raced four times. And, and a lot of these horses, you know, they've only raced three or four times, so it's difficult to gauge. What I can't imagine is what Brad Cox is having to do to sort out how yes. to, where to put all these horses so that he gets the best options. That, that has to be a, a monumental puzzle that I, I cannot even fathom trying to solve. And then you look, we, we, what we talked about earlier, you look at his Oaks horses. I think he has, I, I listed at least five or six Oaks horses possibilities that he has to do the same things for. It, it's like a video game. Where are you going to put all of these horses where they have the best chance to win and get points. He, he's like, I think about that a lot of time. When these, these trainers that have so many horses like he and Pletcher and this, but their mind has to be a human Rolodex. It's, it's got to be a mental Rolodex, I should say, just like just constantly shifting uh, one giant algorithm. I, I don't know how right. you do it. There's so many factors. You, and then, of course, you got to go with what the owners want to do and stuff, too. So it, it, I, mean, I know it's a good puzzle to have. But it's a difficult puzzle, uh, so I'm interested to see how he plays it. Because there are some horses right now he has that don't have the points to get in, and the damn good horses. So he's right. got to. I got to get. He's got to get him in the starting gate for one. Um, that brings me to another guy because I cannot go, and we haven't given uh, Turfway love. I, I I'm going to find figure a way to get Turfway into the mix at all times. It's my <laughs> track. Um, has anybody even dawned on anybody? That we just had congruent Antonio Sandals horse won the Bataglia down there. I hope you get. To, did you get to see that race? Yeah. Bataglia. Okay. Sonny Leon won that race, and he right. just comes back into town. And horse won pretty impressively. Has anybody dawned on anybody that Sonny Leon may? I mean, he has a chance to win the Derby twice in a row if he can do perform well in the Jeff Ruby. I mean, is it a long shot? Yeah, but he was a long shot last year. Um, He's a he's a strong finishing the Jeff Ruby away from getting there again. Do you have any any love for Congruent whatsoever? Yeah, Congruent is is an interesting horse. Uh, the, he's he's a light gray by Tappet, and and let me tell you, I had shades of one of my all time favorite horses, Hanson, who of course was a a Turfway superstar. I, I just saw flashes of Hanson when when mm-hmm. he won. But uh, yeah, Sonny Leon has this thing about these these late closers. And, and that was a really interesting win because con- that's not Congruent's normal style. Yeah, he, he got, he was far back in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, but that was not by design. This was not by design for him to start 12th in this race. And for Sonny Leon to make that kind of trip on the synthetic, I mean, that was huge for, for that horse to win. And he's won on dirt. And you know, a, an interesting thing that was also brought up after this race, his speed figures for this race have come back actually pretty strong. I mean, normally you look at the synth races at Turfway, you don't expect to see strong right. figure. True. This figure, it goes with a lot of these derby contenders that people are, are, are guffawing over. His is right there with it. So I, I don't, I would never body toss congruent. He's an auto toss. I would never say that. Now he has, you know, some, some questions about him, but when I saw those speed figures, I thought, hmm, 
Something to keep in mind. Something to keep in mind. I'll ask you one more quick one, then I'll, I'll, I'm going to take too long. But are there any horses that are truly, truly – I know we've talked about a lot of them flying under the radar. I'll mention one is Dennington, who I did not like last year. But his allowance went down at, at, at Fairgrounds. I did like the way he did it. He waited, and he made that kick-out closer move where the rider was confident that he had that three-eighths kick in him. Uh, I bet, by the way, I bet two to win on him in the future pool. I never bet the future pool, but he was 241 to one. I bet two to win on Dennington. <laughs> um, anybody <laughs> like that, that we haven't mentioned that really is flying under the radar that has caught your eye. Something like a classic car wash or someone like that. Yeah, I, I would mention with Dennington, I, I watched him in, in his last race. I actually bet him. Uh, th- the thing about job. Dennington though is that he, that was his first time on Lasix. So keep that in mind that. Right. That, that he can't run on Lasix in any prep races, and that kind of oh, makes yeah. me that makes me hesitate a little bit. But in that yeah, case, was, I should have waited and got two hundred and sixty to one. Then, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I would say horses running under. Well, I I don't know how much Sun Thunder is running under under the radar. I like I like Sun Thunder. I like that he had a horrible trip in the Rebel, and Reincarnate is one of those horses where you talked about. He has a lot of natural speed mm-hmm. on a yes. on a fast dirt track. Do not discount Reincarnate. And then there's there's a horse out at Oakland named Two Eagles River. Two Eagles River. Yeah, for Chris Hartman. He he beat he's the one who beat Disarm, who was coming off the layoff at, at Oakland. Two Eagles River posted a one oh four Brisnet speed figure in his debut at Churchill Down. Now it was a very low level this was a very low level maiden race, you know, shades of rich strike, I know. But watch Two Eagles River as a possibility of being a really good exotics play in one of these prep races. I think he's going to the Arkansas Derby. But this would be a horse to to play underneath or to play with the other Arkansas Derby contenders. Um, whether or not he could win the Derby, I don't know. But but this horse has has run some really strong figures, 95, 96, and that 104 at Churchill Downs. So I I would keep an eye on him as far as bet as far as bettings go, betting goes, and um keep an eye also on Tappet's Conquest. I mean, he, I agree he there. That. I meant to bet him as well and forgot. I meant to bet him, and I did bet verifying, and I meant to bet Tappet's Conquest and forgot about it. It got kind of late, and anyway, but I got a couple of small, but I never play it, but I had to get down on those. So that's I'm done with my time. Whoever's next, feel free. Well, it looks like I got my homework here because I got to get Brad Cox on the pod, it sounds like. Hell, yeah. You're supposed to be done that a long time ago. Well, it wasn't important then. Now it's like very important. Is he going to win you both? Be, you might Oaks be busy spring, Yeah. Is he going to take them both down? I don't know. But yeah, I like Tabbit's Conquest a lot. But you all covered a ton of horses. JJ did an excellent job, as always. Uh, even Craig covered the Japan contingent. And yeah. I, you never know. I mean, good. No- I mean, they are making some headway with the breeding. And just how well those horses show up on big days, uh, here in America. So, uh, oh man, I, I'll call Brad right now. All right. You got it, brother. <laughs> CC. Hey, let's finish it off. Let's talk about the Kentucky Oaks as, as well. And we'll start with who's your Philly. This is a Philly that, uh, I mean, she was hyped up since day one, it seems. 
I I was not impressed. I'm not impressed with anything that she's done to date. I know she's she's a solid filly, and she's probably worth every penny they paid for her. Unfortunately, I did buy the hype when I singled her in my pick four on Risen Star Day. She didn't she didn't run worth a lick. She did stumble coming out of the gate. I, I don't know what to do with her going forward. I, I'm kind of hoping she wins. Fairgrounds Oaks and then comes into Kentucky as a big favorite. But I, I, I'm not ready to, uh, I'm not ready to, uh, to buy the hype. Well, they say fool, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me <laughs> twice, shame on me. Yeah. Who's your, I think the, the hype really hurt her a lot because the expectations just ran wild and then putting her in the Derby future wager just, it, you know, exacerbated everything as well. Um, you know, I don't know if she was ever really, really being considered as a derby horse. But, you know, she was coming in off a layoff. She did have that bobbled start. Should she have performed better? Yes. We we all know she should have performed better than that. But but let me tell you that I am not going to discount a filly who is three for three at Churchill Downs from the Kentucky Oaks. And particularly when it is going, that is going to be a very different race from the Rachel Alexander. You're going to have a very different pace set up. It is going to be a very different race. I think if she has no soundness issues, if she comes back and performs well in a next prep, I, I still think she is a very leading contender for the Oaks. And I would also say if we get an off track for the Oaks, what that horse ran in that rags to riches, that was not slop. That was glop. I mean, that, that was a whole other designation that I call glop. And, and that horse, which as soon as she stepped on that glop, she was just, absolutely ecstatic. If you get an off track on Oaks Day that's really bad, I, I could see who's your filly winning by open links. If, Like I said, if she has no issues, if she comes out of her next prep and she's good. So I'm not willing to discount her after that race. I think we're all leery, but Churchill Downs and the Oaks will be completely different from that race. My only issue, I mean, I, I think she's failed to run fast yet that's my that's my problem with her right. i don't think she's uh, that's true know. we'll see we'll see that's but true. uh uh i tell you one filly that i'm very interested in is wet paint who i think the the cox contingent probably downplayed her chances early on uh, they uh, she spent the winter at turfway and uh and then winds up at oakland wins two stakes in a row and the last one was incredibly uh, impressive, in my opinion. It, it was on a wet track too, and she looked hopelessly beaten and just passed horses late and and went on to win easily. Uh, wet, wet paint, uh, w- one of those Cox fillies that uh, we're going to have to uh, to pay attention to in a few weeks. Yeah, it's a, Brad Cox has a tremendous amount of up and coming up and coming three of fears, and wet paint really just came onto the scene with a blast. I mean, she she's been farther back in those last two races under, under Pratt. I know I noticed she was farther back there, but she still got the job done. I think it's interesting, though, she's never run on a fast dirt track, I don't believe. I, I don't think she's ever run. It's always been on some kind of off track or, or non-dirt. But uh, I don't see why she wouldn't still run well on a fast track. But it, it just it is, it is a question. Um, yeah, I think she's definitely a, a legitimate Oaks contender because – She's shown so much versatility with with her running style. Uh, that's a very that's going to be very good. She's very tactical too. So I I, I like wet paint. I don't have any knocks against her. 
couple of fillies that came out of the race at Tampa Bay uh, a few weeks ago, Julia Shining and Wonder Wheel, uh, both defeated by Dreaming of Snow, who went up finishing up the track last Saturday in a, in a grass stakes there. Uh, are they both coming back in the Ashland? Do you know? Uh, Wonder Wheel, I know, is coming back in the Ashland. I'm not sure where Julia Shining is going next. Okay, I thought maybe Julia Shining would take the same path that Malathot did. I think she ran the Ashland, too. It doesn't matter. They're both going to lose to Red Carpet Ready, <laughs> who, will, who will win the Ashland wire to wire. Big uh, call. Big call. We should do a live podcast. Oh, that, Bold prediction. All right, if Jim Goodman's oh. listened, I, I would like for them to move the Ashland back to the Friday, opening day like they used to. Because I think the Ashland kind of gets lost in the bluegrass shuffle. It's always on the undercard. And, uh, yeah, I, I want the Ashland to have its own day. That way I can single red carpet ready in my pick four and Maybe then celebrate later thing. that night. Maybe like so a two-day you, thing. You weren't deterred by by red carpet ready's loss then? No, I'm fine with it. I've seen worse horses bounce back out of Gulfstream races and, and win – Win at Keeneland. I don't. I don't necessarily think she's a Kentucky Oaks contender, but I, I'm just saying. I've seen Rusty Arnold, uh, you know, win this race a couple of times with horses that uh, weren't necessarily coming in this race in top form. And I, I just think this filly's talented. I, I I like her a lot. I, I I'm not concerned about that right now. If she does it twice, then it, you know that, that joke's on me. But I I don't know. We'll see. You know what we could do? I might be back from the cruise that day. I might, I can't remember what day I come back. We'll do a live podcast at Keeneland. They'll give us some accommodations. See if we can work that out. Yeah, I think that's a great idea, man. Yeah, if if, if I'm back. I might not be. I can't remember what day I get back. We'll see. So, uh, JJ, anything else you want to add to the Oaks discussion? I mean, we didn't touch on Darth Vader. Uh, I know Chad Brown had a filly that won a, a nice uh, race in New York. I don't think she won the Busan. I can't remember the name of the horse, but I – it seems like yeah. it was not – contention's not real deep this year. Yeah, I, I would say that a few things about to watch. Uh, Wonder Wheel, boy, she has grown. She the, she has uh, – she looks like a completely different horse. When they brought her out for that race, uh, you watch the video. It's on Twitter. I, she looks like a massive colt. And I, I think they were talking about how she's trying to adjust to the fact that she's so much bigger. When she was coming out of the starting gate, it was like, you know, a different experience for her. So she's adjusting to her new, her newfound maturity. Uh, and I think that that played, played a role in that race. I, I don't know what to do with Wonder Wheel. I don't think that was a terrible loss by any means. Um, but moving forward, she, she's going to have to adjust to, to being to have grown so much. Um, another thing I would mention is Pretty Mischievous, who, who won the Rachel Alexander. What Brendan Walsh is, is calling out into into the megaphone. Look, this is a really good horse. I mean, he was basically pleading with people after the race. Where are you going to give this horse some respect? And he's right. I mean, this horse has really done nothing wrong. I, I think Pretty Mischievous is is not getting the respect she needs. His, his exact quote was, "I would be afraid of her." So so that's a horse that we we definitely need to watch. And for the Turfway Love. Um, there you go. I I agree on botanical. Botanical is not a sense freak. She's not a fluke. This horse is legitimate, and I don't see any reason why she wouldn't excel on dirt the way she does on synthetic. She has a pedigree that you know 
would would transfer to dirt just fine. Uh, I, I I really like her, and I like uh, Guns and Graces, who comes out of the Devonna Dale. Guns and Graces is a Chad Brown horse who he threw her into Grade Two company after a maiden win and talked her up, and she closed with a massive flourish into that pace. And she is she's a daughter of Gunrunner. Guns and Graces is in my Oaks top five right now. I, I think this is a a very strong up up and coming Philly Philly to watch. My top five would be Botanical, Hoosier Philly, Pretty Mischievous, Wet Paint, Guns and Graces, and and I would add to watch for 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 Sheeta Beauty, the one who won in New York. I don't know if she can win the Oaks, but I, I think she's a good horse. A cult is the filly I was talking about from Chad Brown Barn. Oh, a cult. Okay, yeah, a cult won the the Busanda. Uh, Busanda, yeah. And that was back. That's back January fourteenth. She's on the work tab. She hasn't missed a work since January 29th. Uh, she's been working at Belmont. I'm going to assume that she she may surface. Uh, is it the Gazelle on Wood Memorial Day? Yeah. Yeah. I nice nice pedigree in a mischief out of an Empire Maker mare, and she is two two for three. So there's some upside there for certain. Okay. Uh, Brandon fell asleep. <laughs> Again, he does that. While he's gone, we might as well joke about it. JJ, I think you've been on the show more than Brandon has. <laughs> I've never fallen asleep either. <laughs> it is close. It's it's a pretty close race. It might be a dead heat, right, CC? Yeah, it's very close. Alan, Wake you, up, Brandon. <laughs> Alan, you got anything more for JJ? No, we we appreciate it as always. Uh, I'm not as well versed in some, of the, especially the foreign horses. So this is very educational for me personally. So as always, we appreciate it. All right. Okay. Well, JJ, like yeah, like Alan said, we we greatly appreciate you joining us, taking the time. We we love to have you on the show as much as possible, and uh, and hopefully we'll uh, we'll catch up again down the road. Okay. Okay, guys. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. JJ Hysel. I know people get sick of it, but I, I could talk Kentucky Derby just about year round. I think. Mm. People probably do get sick of it. People probably get sick of us uh, lavishing praise on our guests. But as I say, uh, endless, I don't give a damn. <laughs> we do a good I, job of picking good people. I wish I was as prepared. Like, I I, I think Andy Serling is, uh, regardless of what you think about him, he, he is so prepared for his job. And JJ's the same way. She is. That's that's the biggest thing with her. In addition to the knowledge, the preparation is is on point. Yeah, I wish I was as prepared for whatever I do in life as as she is. That's <laughs> yeah. you know, like I I'd I'd have everything whipped. But uh, you know, we we I'm, we're not big on telling her. We we're not big on telling ourselves the whole uh, hey I just won twenty eight dollars or won twenty eight thousand dollars on Twitter and posting tickets. That's not me. I win my share of races. You win your share of races. I'm not big on telling myself. I would much rather. I would much rather give praise to other people who I think deserve it. There's a lot of them in this sport. Again, I, I, I'm much more inclined to focus on the positive than the negative. The positive is the people. It is. It's the people that we have on the show. It's the people that we know. I'd rather pat those people on the back. JJ is one of those at the top of the list. If I if I won twenty eight thousand dollars, you can bet your foam rubber ass I'm posting it on Twitter. That's fine. And now, well, I guess twenty thousand is a different story. But hey, uh, I just picked another winner. I just look what I just I was like. Man, 
we do it all the time. It's just like, you know, it's like, uh, I, I don't know. I don't care if you do it. That's right. It's just not what I'm going to do and stuff. So, but, uh, but I mean, that's my point is like, I would rather heap praise on other people, give credit where credit's due. JJ deserves a ton of credit. She's not the only one, but she, she's, a, she, she should get the lion's share of it. Not a lot in racing going on this weekend. Oklahoma's got the Essex handicap, uh, $500,000. That's going to be interesting. And then another $200,000 sprint stake, the Whitmore. Both of those are grade threes. Those, that's the, that basically the highlight of the weekend. It looks like this is kind of the disagree. Oh. The uh-huh. highlight of the weekend is any 10,000 non winners of two at Turfway oh, or any 15,000 maiden claimer. Those are how, those are, those are God's mm. gifts to your wallet. Those are, those mm. are, those are the most fun. They, they mm. are. I okay, mean, we'll agree to disagree there. <laughs> it's just, this, I, this is the calm before the storm. I'm looking at the stake schedule for the 25th. Louisiana Derby? Yeah, you get the, the fairgrounds is the, the Louisiana Derby, fairgrounds Oaks, and Turfway, you've got the, the Jeff Ruby, the return of Rich Strike, the, uh, Bourbonette Oaks, the Latonia, that's going to be a big card. And then oh, the yeah. following day is the Sunland Park Derby. We could see Henry Q. Okay. And then, I mean, it's just going to be a, a madness for the next few weeks. Uh, you've got Oaklawn after that, and you've got Gulfstream, the Florida Derby, Arkansas Derby, same day. Then Keeneland opens, and it's just happiness from here until the end of summer. So, mm, true. There you go. True. The only problem with Keeneland opens, that means Turfway closes. So I. That's a little uh, emoji with a little tear coming down the eye oh. right there. Okay. All right. Let's wrap, let's wrap things up. I'm, All right. I have, have to go throw up now. So, on behalf of our guest, our fine guest, J.J. Heisel and Brandon Jaggers, who's fallen asleep and gone off to Never Never Land, Alan Schneider, and, of course, myself, <laughs> C.C. brought us. What's the word? I forgot the the, the sign off. I'd rather have a I'd rather have a bottle in front of me than a frontal lobotomy. I like that one better. I like that one. Good Let's night. Go with that. See ya.